In this episode, we're going to take a look at the skills and training that I talk about, the stuff I've done, and ask the question, how much of it do I still do? What have I done since I quit working, since I left the military, since I worked for government service, since I left teaching for the military? What skills have I used? What things have I done? I get asked that. I got asked it recently. And so we're going to answer that question and figure out how perishable are they? Are they worth still doing? Are there things I'm always going to remember? Because these are perishable skills, especially when you don't have a lot of experience and you got to put them into practice. That's why everything I talk about is basically your own homegrown practical exercise. So what skills have I used? What ones do I still use? And which ones have probably perished? That's what we're going to talk about right here on Gray Man, Hiding in Plain Sight. Man, oh man, has it been a long, frustrating couple of weeks. So much drama and dumb shit. I tell you what, it would be a great show to talk about if that was the kind of show that I did. But, oh my God. Every day I'm like, I need to do a podcast, need to do a podcast, dealing with dumb shit and dumb people. So irritating. It's a plague where I live. Anyway, skills. These skills are perishable. It takes a lot of good training, a lot of desire and discipline and then you got to put them into practical exercise get tested evaluated and put them into regular everyday experience i will say right off the bat before i read this email the thing i practice the most two things really is one checking to see if i'm being followed and two uh, reading body language detecting deception all that kind of stuff i do that all the time but for my buddy axel Going by the name Axel Rose. He says, hey, man, I really appreciate the content you provide as well as the enthusiasm you exude on air. Well, I guess I'm getting some sort of personality worked out. I'm glad that's working for you. He says, I also wanted to let you know how cool I think it is that you are so responsive to your listeners and you responded quickly the few times I've reached out to you and even discussed one of my talks on air regarding police scanner encryption. For those that remember that, we talked about police scanner encryption and what I thought about it. Quick question, have you ever had to use, and I'm, I'm going to go question by question here, have you ever had to use your bug out bag in either your civilian life or military life? So I didn't have in the military what you'd call a bug out bag. I had more of a go bag. Now, to be fair, these are all made up interchangeable terms depending on who you're talking about. But... Looking at what people know the bug out bag to be is like, I need to live out of that fucking thing versus a go bag, which is the essentials I need for going to work in this case or going on a mission. I did have go bags. I had, I had a go bag every time I was deployed while I was working Intel that it's a bag within a bag. Actually, I had a kit bag for those who know what those are for the aircraft air crews had inside there. I had all my gear that I would wear plus an actual go bag. And I put it all in there so it was in one place because I didn't use it much. Just sat in my office. I'd check it every once in a while and basically keep a lot of the extra dirt and dust off of it because, you know, there's weapons and all this other stuff in there. But I, I had that with the go bag in there. So I did have that. And then I had a bag I carried to work all the time, depending on my job in the military. It was more like a go bag. Now, I did, I did legitimately follow a bug out plan once and took multiple bags really it was all I can tell you was a few years ago there was something that happened that was stopped 
and got written off as a mistake or an accident when it wasn't. And once that got shut down, I came back. Had it not been stopped and things would have escalated, very likely I very much would have been one of the few people that probably survived it. Funny thing is, as much as people talk about bug outs and all this other stuff, I can tell you right now, if something really serious happens, especially anything that's like an attack or an invasion or an EMP, any of these types of things, especially if there's any type of weaponry used on our own soil, so think 9-11 times about 10,000, most people aren't going to see it coming no matter what they say. And that was true this time too. So there was that. He says, what about being followed? So I'm always checking that. I'm always checking to see if I'm being followed. There's times I randomly pick people on the freeway just to practice following them and keeping distance, seeing how far back I am when I'm going to change lanes just to remember what to do and just to see if, if I get close enough to them, if they can tell they, can, they never pay attention. People just don't pay attention. But I've never actually been followed. I did have several people that tell me they could tell if I was following them. People that were out training, I just laughed at them. And it was all in good fun. But there was an instance where somebody dared me to do it. And I told them, I'll do it this week. I'll follow you for a couple of days, a couple of times this week, but you're not going to know it. So I don't know if I was really going to do it. That was just how the conversation went. And then I had to leave. I can't remember why, but I had to like go home or something, like visit my family. I was gone for a couple of weeks. Anyway, talked to the guy and he was like, yeah, I saw you. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, I saw you following me. I'm like, dude, I didn't, I didn't follow you. I was, you know, I was gone. He's like, well, that's what you told everybody. That was just throwing me off. I'm like, no dude, like I legit, <laughs> I was showing him like expenses and receipts. I'm like, dude, I was legitimately gone. Whatever you saw, maybe you were being followed, but it wasn't me. And, and he would tell me, I don't remember the specifics, but he was telling me, well, this is what I saw the person do. And I'm like, yeah, I think that was just coincidence because that's not what you do when you follow somebody. But I'd never really been followed. He goes on, he says, have you ever detected anyone following you before? The only times were in training. I've never had anybody follow me. There's a lot of things like people see in movies that just don't happen. Like a very common thing in movies is like federal agents or cops will basically sit outside like your house or something. They wait for you to come home and then they come over and knock on your door to talk to you. Now that may very well happen, but I've never actually seen it happen. I've had the FBI come and talk to me for different reasons and they always just pulled in and came and knocked on the door. They didn't even know if I was home because they didn't call ahead. And then they didn't leave a note. They would just talk to a neighbor or whatever. So that, that doesn't really happen, but I've never really had anybody following me. Have you ever had to brandish your firearm in civilian life? Yes, more than once. So one instance was, the short version is, my dog lost her mind. And when you're bonded with a dog, it's much like having a kid. How they talk, how they sound, the way they react, you know what it means. When she reacted, I knew there was something very, very bad going on. So I immediately went for a firearm, which is always around me. I went outside into my back fenced yard and there was like three or four guys in there starting to remove things. 
Now, at the end of the day, the way this worked out, they were just in the wrong place. But at that time, they didn't know that. And my dog was like partly lunging at him, but staying by me, staying in front of me. And I didn't point the fire at, at him because there was no threat, but it was there and they could see it. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck you guys are doing. We need to get out of here. And they're like, uh, uh, I'm like, no, stop and leave. And then I called and reported it to the police, but then later found out they were just at the wrong place. And I told the cop, I said, if you can tell that guy anything, what you need to tell him is no matter what agreement he had with whatever homeowner, he should have knocked on the door to announce his presence. And he's like, yeah, that's what I told him. So there was that situation. Another situation where I almost did was a short version, but this guy was driving illegally on a motorcycle. And then he was a road rage guy. He was trying to make me wreck. I eventually stopped waiting for the police. He was just making threatening gestures, never took anything off, started unzipping his jacket, making a one-handed reach as though there was something inside he was going to grab. He was getting really angry, belligerent, and threatening. I totally forgot my dog was even in the car. And I was sitting there with a pistol on my lap, and I had at a certain point decided where the point of no return was, where this is the point that if he moves past there and does A, B, or C, this is going to be a use of force, lethal force situation. And he made that move, and I got to tell you, right as he was hitting that line, I realized my dog was there because she came around, got a foot in my lap, and was growling on that dude, and that changed his mind real quick. And he backed down, and then he... You know, then the cops showed up and we dealt with all that. But if my dog had not have been there, then that would have been an actual use of force situation. Those two happened in the last few years. They're not the only ones. I've never pointed, I guess you'd say, pointed the firearm at anybody. Because the thing is, is, people, I don't think people realize this, but if you take a firearm, even if it's unloaded, because people don't know, if you point it at somebody, that's considered assault with a deadly weapon. Now, it's one thing if it's justified, which you have to argue. You have to argue it's justified in the same way as if you had pulled the trigger. Granted, there's what jurisdiction you're in, what the judge says, but that's the short version of it. So I never pointed at anybody because the threat wasn't there to justify it, and it's not like it takes five seconds to get to that point. It goes pretty quickly. And then let's see, he says, thanks again for your content. It's the only one I listen to other than Private Security Nocent Show by Mike Basil that I actively seek out episodes for. He says, I'd be interested in buying swag. You know, so I've thought about selling shirts and stuff. People did that. But whether it's just little YouTube dudes I've known or it's even big companies. I So two reasons I haven't done it. One is there hasn't been really a calling for it. And I don't know that I would... I would sell a lot. That's important because the second reason, going back to what I was saying about big companies or little dudes, I don't mean to trash on people, but a lot of stuff is just junk, man. Junk t-shirts, bad silk screening, um, you know, bad embroidery, crappy clothing. Guys that sell bags, they're junk or they're, it's not that they're junk, but they're way overpriced for what they are making them junk. Like the only things I've ever actually bought from people were some of those like stoneware coffee mugs that were pretty cool with cool designs. Like I would do that. But if I ever do it, it's going to be stuff I would want to buy. And I'm not like saying so narrow, nobody'd want it. But if I'm going to sell shirts, it's going to be worth the 25 or 30 bucks you pay for it. It's going to be a decent something. It's just not going to be some crappy 
50 50 cotton Walmart size medium with a world's worst silk screen on it. That's not worth 12 bucks. They're selling for 50 because of their names on it. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to sell pens. I would eventually like to have a store. Still can't figure the Amazon thing out, but have a store where there's specific things on there that pertain to the show that I've used or do use that people can buy through me whether it goes to Amazon or not, or whether I can put them in stock, I'll eventually figure it out. But I just haven't done it because it's only been asked about a few other times a long time ago. And I'm just I'm so skeptical because of all the crap that I've seen. Like I, I ordered a pipe off Etsy. I very rarely order Etsy things, but it was a cool looking kind of rustic handmade pipe thing. When it finally got here, it was not what it was. It was, it was garbage. And I hate that kind of thing. It's just me. So if I ever figure it out and start selling something, I'll definitely let you know. And we can see. If you've got any ideas or anybody has any ideas of the type of things you'd like to buy for products for companies you'd be interested in, definitely let me know because I can look into it. I'm going to eventually get some business cards and maybe something else so that when I send people stuff, I can at least send a business card, but I like having nice business cards. I just don't want some shitty one. And I got to figure out what contact info I want to use. Cause I'm probably going to do a, another email account that's specifically for the podcast or the company. That's not my proton account. I, I don't know yet. That's down the road. Doesn't matter. But if anybody's got any ideas, let me know what kind of stuff you're interested in. Also, don't forget, don't forget, we got free subscriptions to PI Magazine. You can get their journal for a year. Free. All you got to do is write in the show notes down there. You're going to see the description of this episode, followed by the phrase in this episode where I'm going to list off a few things. And then it'll say, if you want to leave a message, click this link. And when you click that link, you'll have 60 seconds to do a voice recorded question. When you do that voice recorded question, it's a question I answer on air and dedicate the show to which pretty much has happened with every single one then i will definitely tell you and you're a winner for one of the free subscriptions i also want to throw out there the two guys i, I read the one dudes i can't remember his name off the top of my head but the one guy's account he did the osint challenge and i used all his examples you haven't contacted me with any of your info and then the guy on MeWe that i messaged i i sent you back the message i saw that you saw it but you haven't sent me the info. Granted, I haven't checked me in a few days, but if you guys want that stuff, uh, you know, let me know so I can send you those prizes and we'll see where we go from here. But hope you like this episode. There are a few other things I've been asking the past about what I haven't, haven't done, but those pretty much covered. The only other thing is surveillance, which I did do once. I was asked by somebody who connected to me through a third party because it's a bad drama situation, but you know, the crazy mama drama, some dude was abusing her. That was the kid's dad stealing from her, whatever. Had a warrant out for his arrest. Cops can't do a whole lot. So I, I just went out and found him, did surveillance, called the police. They came, picked him up. Uh, but that's the only thing I've done. And I just did it because of the danger the child was in. It was a personal favor for somebody. But I don't really do that stuff for money or do it much anymore. 
but there was that one too. And if I think of any others, I'll, I'll definitely let you know. If you like this episode, don't forget us a like, share, heart, whatever your platform is using, and make sure you let people know you think will enjoy this material. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're at. And don't forget to check out the show notes and check out dmrpublication.com. And we will be back again shortly with more information right here on Grayman, Hiding in Plain Sight.